Blue collar people are some of the grittiest, toughest, bravest human beings on the planet. Every building, bridge, and road was built on the backs of their hard work. Every piece of raw material was mined by their calloused hands. They manufacture our goods and transport them around the world. We see that strong outer shell, but there's more to every person than meets the eye. In this podcast, blue-collar business leaders tell their stories of courage and victory over crushing defeats. That's only possible because of a mental and emotional fortitude and a willingness to ask for help. It's our mission to bring hope to those of us who are strong on the outside, but may be living a life of quiet desperation on the inside. We'll do that by working together to tell the truth about the challenges we face and what it really takes to break through them. Welcome back, everybody, to the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. We have a special guest here today, Josh Zolan. Uh, I had the honor and the pleasure of being interviewed by Josh on his uh, um, uh, Blue is the New White podcast, which is a super great show and also a great book. I'll let Josh tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, He's also the co-owner of a very successful business. So, Josh, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to all of us here. What would you like us to know about you? <laughs> Absolutely, Mick. And uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Glad to uh, glad to have another discussion with you. Had so much fun the last time, learned a lot about you, and I'm just happy to be able to return the favor and hopefully provide some value to your audience. Um, so about me, uh, let's see, you want the long version or the short version? Oh man, I'm, I'm happy to have whatever version you're <laughs> prepared to give. All right. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about me now, and then I'll kind of back up a little bit and uh, tell you a little bit about my background, if that's cool. Perfect. All right. So uh, today I am the CEO of Windy City Equipment Service, uh, WCE for short. Uh, We are basically a commercial facilities maintenance company focusing specifically on HVAC refrigeration and cooking equipment. Um. We just made the Inc. 5000 list for the third year in a row this year, fastest growing companies in America. Congrats. And thank you very much. It's been quite a feat and um, definitely a lot of hard work, but it is certainly paying off. Uh, like you alluded to, I also am the author of a book that I published last year called Blue is the New White. I have a podcast that surrounds that book where I talk about uh, the skilled trades and talk to skilled trades people all over the world about their successes and their journeys through, uh, through the trades and, and what it meant to them. Uh, the mission is to really get people interested in what the skilled trades are and, um, you know, kind of pull back the veil a little bit and, and, you know, uh, debunk some of the common misperceptions that revolve around the industry. So that is me today. <laughs> that has not always been me. Um, so Going back to, uh, I won't go too far back. You know, I'll go back to like high school. So I come from a small town uh, called Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, I grew up on a farm. So a lot of you might be thinking, oh yeah, he's a farm boy. That, that's where he gets his work ethic and, and all of that. You know, uh, that makes a lot of sense. But before you, before you assume anything, let me just tell you that this was not just a regular farm. I did not have cows. I did not have pigs. I did not have horses. Well, I had a couple of horses, but that's beside the point. Um, 
No, this, this farm was actually converted into a stunt school. See, my entire family, uh, dating back to my grandfather, uh, are all stunt people in the, in the film industry. My grandfather doubled for Charles Bronson and Elvis Presley and uh, was really one of the, the founding fathers, I would say, of, uh, of what it means to be a stuntman um, in the industry today. Wow. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was definitely a unique upbringing in that sense. Dude, I've been so pumped to hear about this. It's ridiculous. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love, I'd love to hear anything you're willing to share about being a, being a person in a stuntman family. Like yeah. I've never even heard of such a thing. It's so cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it. So needless to say, you know, because my grandfather was in the stunt industry, uh, all my uncles and, and my mom was in the stunt, stunt industry. It's actually how uh, my mom and my dad originally met. My grandfather had a stunt school in California where my dad went through the stunt school because he wanted to be a stunt man. My mom was his teacher. So um, that's how they met. So I, I, I grew up in this family of people who jumped off buildings, rolled over cars, get set on fire all intentionally, you know? And so moving through high school, of course, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, I'm like the only kid, right? In, in probably the entire Midwest that has any kind of a background like that. Um, so, you know, it, it really, I don't know, it, uh, it, it gave me a false sense of ego, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but needless to say, after high school, I was very vocal about not going to college because I knew what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to be a stuntman. That's the only thing I knew. That's, the, that's what sure. I thought I loved. And that's what my family did. So after high school, I, I turned the wheel out west and, and headed out to California, pursued the, uh, the stunt career for a little while. Um, didn't break any bones, but it did hurt, uh, which it so often does in, in that industry. And, and look, you know, I, I had family ties. I had connections. It's a very who you know kind of business. So I didn't have any issues landing work. You know, I, I probably booked more jobs my first year in, in LA than, than most stunt people do their first five years in the industry, just because it's so hard to break into if you don't already have an in. Um, you know, but it, it, before long, it was one of those scenarios where like, I was just kind of going through the motions. You know, I, I knew in my heart that yeah, I wanted to do something else. I, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I was always that kid, you know, when they had the school fundraisers uh, that wanted like the highest prize and to get the wow. highest prize, you had to sell the most, you know, and I lived on a farm, remember? So it's not like I lived in a neighborhood with a bunch of neighbors. I could go knock on their door. Uh, but I found a way I literally rode my, my bike up and down all the country roads and, and went door to door to all these farms that are, you know, a half a mile, a mile apart from each other, you know, just trying to sell this, all this fundraiser stuff so I could get nice. that coolest prize. But, um, so I always had that, that entrepreneurial spirit. And, um, when I moved to California, uh, a little while before that, my dad had moved to Arizona, he got out of the stump business. Um, he got out when, when after him and my mom split, uh, because he could only see me every, every other weekend. And so he wanted to make sure that he saw me every other weekend. And in the stunt industry, you're, you know, you're traveling quite a bit. So he gave that up and, uh, he became a foreman of a bakery. Then he moved out to Arizona to start his own business, Windy City Equipment. And one day I woke up in California and, and my lease was up. It was set to expire in like two weeks. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And, uh, I hung it up and moved out to Arizona to start working with him. Uh, so it was just me and him for a very long time. 
worked side by side. And, um, you know, I, I said, dad, I said, I'll move out there. I'll work with you. Uh, just on one condition that, that we, we grow the hell out of this business. I have no idea what it is that you do, but you teach me and let's grow the hell out of this business and, and really make something of it. And that's exactly what we did. That's so awesome, Josh. Nice work, man. I, I love, I love that hustle from a young age and taking it into the family business and just going out there and crushing it. I, I congrats again on all the awards and building, building exactly what you told your dad you wanted to help him build. That's really, really cool stuff, man. Thank you. Thank you. It, it gets, it, it gets, it feels a little weird talking about it like that. I feel like I'm bragging, but it's more of a humble brag than anything else, you know, just so your audience knows, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> well, we we appreciate that, man. But I think it's it's also, you know, this this podcast and and I really feel like your podcast, too, and, and the whole uh, story behind Blue is the New White is really to, to uplift tradespeople and blue collar workers of all kinds. So I really want I want to acknowledge you for who you are and for what you've built. Because I think that there's, uh, you know, many leaders in, in the blue collar industries and also, you know, the, the workers on the front lines who need that sort of uh, encouragement and acknowledgement for the, for the effort that they put in and for, you know, who they are as human beings. So I appreciate the humbleness uh, and, and humility uh, but I also, I also really appreciate and honor you for, for what you've built, man. It's uh, it's super cool stuff. And, you know, part of the reason for, for this podcast here is to show that it, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't easy. There was a, there was an obstacle or an adversity that you had to overcome in order to get here. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I kind of alluded to it a little bit. It was, you know, when I was in California, I, I had said that I moved out to be a stuntman because that's that's what I knew. That that was my identity at the time. I was I was the stunt kid. I mean, I was the stunt kid all through high school. You know, it got me it, it got me reputation. It got me girls. It got me you know whatever I wanted because I was the kid that lit myself on fire. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Right. It's the coolest thing in the world to brag about when, when you don't know any better. And, um, so, you know, it wasn't, and I didn't find this out until after I moved to California and I, after I pursued it, but it wasn't who I was, you know, and, and I, I really let it get to my head, you know, and that was, that was my, my biggest turning point. And, and I'd like to label it as probably, an identity crisis, which is, which I think a lot of people can relate to, um, because it's one of those things that you just, you don't know you have an identity crisis un until you identify it until you, you, something happens and, and you come to a realization that this isn't, you know, who you are, but too often, I think you can get caught in that trap of believing whatever you tell yourself. You know, I, I believed I was the the coolest guy in the world because I could roll a car and you couldn't, you know, I could do it without getting hurt, you know? And I mean, I just, I really, you know, I kind of lost my way. Uh, as, as you know, as probably everybody knows, I mean, the, the Hollywood life is not like life anywhere else in the country. You know, it, it can definitely get to your head. You're surrounded by people, you know, that, that are kind of, Enable, and I'm not talking about everybody here, but you know, it's it's a city founded on 
you know, film and acting and, and people pretending to be something that they're not. And again, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just saying that kind of environment, you know, can, can breed something in people who don't want that. You know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, I, I just, I lost track of who I was somewhere along the way. You know, I got into to a bad way. I was making some questionable decisions uh, and I just felt like I was slipping. You know, I felt like I was slipping into something that if I didn't do something else, there may be no coming back from. Um, and, you know, once I realized that that isn't who I wanted to be, I knew I had to take action to to prevent myself from being that way permanently. Does that, does that make sense? It makes, it makes a hundred percent sense. So, so tell us, tell us whatever you're willing to share about what that was like. Like you, you're saying that you feel like you lost your way. What is, what does that actually mean? What did you actually lose? Yeah. So it was, it was really ego. You know, I, I, I lost my ability to connect with people. I think, you know, the most important to person to me at the time was me. And, um, you know, so it was a very selfish way of living. Look, and, you know, for those of you interested, if you go far enough back on like my Facebook feed, you can see just about every picture that was taken of me while I was in LA, you know, was on a red carpet and I was flipping off the camera. Like that was, that was who I am. That, that was what I thought made me cool. Yeah. You know, at the time. And, and it just, it wasn't it, my, the confidence that I had in, in high school because of what I did turned into arrogance once I got in, you know, out to LA and in California and actually doing it for a living. And, and it just, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a great way to live because I felt like I may have been using people as means to an end rather than an end. Sure. Was there, was there any body in particular that you lost that you felt the worst about or did, did any relationships that, uh, you know, you created some discord in that you were, you know, not committed to? Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, you know, when I moved out to, to LA from Kenosha, I was, um, uh, I mean, I had been seeing a girl you know, in Kenosha for, for a very long time. Uh, I shouldn't say very long time. I mean, I was in high school, so how long could it have been? But it was like, you know, it was like a year, you know, we were seeing each other and, you know, we were in love long time and, for back in high school. I exactly. That, that felt like 17 years back then, you know, but, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, we were in love, we, we really were, but I, I wanted more, you know, and I just, so I, there was really no, there was, there was no questioning whether or not I was going to leave. And, and I did. And I think that was like the first step in, in, you know, my arrogance, not to say that there's anything wrong with chasing your dreams. And, you know, I mean, situations like that, it just, for me personally, that's kind of what, what started that, that mindset, um, you know, and, uh, I mean, we, we kind of tried making the long distance thing work and that just, wasn't great. Again, I was in my own head and, you know, I was doing my own thing. And, you know, I think that we did that for like three days. I don't know, you know, but it was, uh, it was one of those things. And then it, it kind of just fell by the wayside and, you know, didn't end how I would, how I would have pictured or hoped that it would have ended. 
And you're gonna we'll circle back to that later because there's way way more to that story, and that that's not where that story ends. Um, you know, but while I was there and while I was um, experiencing all this and stuff like that, there was a huge disconnect between me and you know my family. I could feel the divide kind of just getting bigger and bigger as time went on. You know, I, I had family in, in California too. You know, my uncle, uh, my uncle was out there. I've always had a great relationship with my uncle. Actually, when I first moved out to California, I stayed in his spare bedroom uh, for the first, I think, uh, six months or so. And I mean, it just, I, I could tell now looking back, right? I can, I can see the disrespect that I had for, for, for him and, and what he was doing for me. You know, I mean, he was charging me rent, but I don't know if you ever know, if you ever seen what rent is in California and, and looking back, he, he wasn't charging me rent. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it was just, it was one of those things. I was, I was ungrateful, you know, and, and I could, I could feel the impact on it, um, you know, with everybody around me. And, and so I know that it hurt. It hurt a lot of people. Yeah. And so what was that like for you? personally at the time i i didn't give a shit and that was the problem right i i mean i i'm not completely insensitive like uh, i could i could grasp kind of what was happening but it was almost like um i don't know i just i didn't have the same view on it and i think maybe it was just an immature mindset you know and maybe it was it was part of me not knowing who i was or what i wanted to be so i just kind of pushed everyone away you know uh until i could figure it out but um you know at the time i'm embarrassed to say you know it it didn't it didn't really matter all that mattered is you know was i getting what i wanted yeah well, look, I, I really get that. And and I really appreciate you being willing to share this too out, out loud, right? Like so many of us have had experiences like that. And it, it tends to be something that we try and stuff down or push away or not look at. And, and it's because we, you know, we feel some type of way about it, whether it's shame or, you know, guilt or whatever that might be. So I appreciate you being willing to put it out there because uh, I feel like there's, there's healing that can come from just being willing to say it out loud and to, and to notice and, and to vocalize, this is what I did. It's not who I am. Right. Yeah. So thanks for that. So, so, um, you know, how was, so you're out there, you're out there like trying to live your dream. And there, there must've been, there must've been a moment or like something that happened that had you realize, Hey, this is not actually who I am and not actually what I'm committed to. Uh, and not what I want. What was that? Or when was that moment? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough question to answer because, um, so much happened, you know, I think it was, it was a combination of things. I think it was things that just started to build and build and build until it finally reached a breaking point. I mean, cause there was a, a lot of little stuff, you know what I mean? Um, first and foremost, you know, when I was in the, when I was, when I was in the stunt industry out there, this was during the writer's strike. So even though I was getting more work than most stunt people 
uh, when they first break in, it was still few and far between, right? So it wasn't my only job. It's not like I had uh, any savings or anything like that. So I worked a side job at a, at a seafood place, right? I was a host at a seafood restaurant. And, you know, I mean, it was just... <sighs> It's it's a it's a feeling that's hard to describe because this place I remember the feeling right when I when I had to walk into this place it's not like I liked working there it was it was fine for what it was but it was dark it was kind of grungy you know and it was monotonous and just the same routine you know I I would I would just go in I mean it was the same thing every time you know I I would go I would wait for people to come in it wasn't a very busy restaurant so I did a lot of waiting. You know, and uh, when I when I waited, I thought when I thought that's not good for anyone. And so, you know, so it was it was that feeling, you know, um, number one. And then I remember on several occasions, like. You know, I've never I've never been a huge drinker, um, but, uh, you know, I started to drink more in in. LA, you know, my, my buddies were going out every night to the bars and, and this and that, and I'm in my twenties. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, I mean, kind of be, to be expected, but, you know, it got to the point where I remember so many times, different occasions that I just completely embarrassed myself, you know, and, and at the time you don't think so much of it because you're drunk, you're having a good time, you know, you're out there, you're, you're hanging out, whatever. It's the next morning when that guilt comes over you and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that, you know, I can't believe I did that. You know, I mean, I just looking back on myself, I can see how incredibly obnoxious I was. I was loud. I was dumb, you know, and, and I mean, just some of the stuff that I would say, like I would, I would try to hit on, hit on women and, you know at the, at the time, I think I'm so slick and so smooth. And then I, I, I recall the instances a day later, the ones that I remember. And I'm like, yeah, no wonder why she slapped me in the face. No, that, that makes sense. I would have done the same thing, you know, but, um, so it just, and, and that would happen constantly, you know, I, I'm not the smoothest guy in the world, you know, so, so that would happen a lot. And I just, I remember hating, you know, the, the feeling of that. And, um, you know, that's just, I'm not wired that way either. I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that would go pick up girls at a bar and bring them home or whatever. I'm, I'm wired for a relationship. I was always in a relationship in high school, you know? And so again, trying to be something that I wasn't right. And, uh, you know, so that, that kind of caught up to me. And, uh, yeah. And then I, I remember one night we were, my buddy and I were in Beverly Hills and this was actually before I turned 21. So I had made a fake ID to get into this club that we went into. It was like eighties night or something like that. So made a fake ID, killed it by the way, crushed it. It was awesome. Got me in no problem. Um, but on the way back, I mean, we were so arrogant and, and we just, you know, he had been drinking. We we had both been drinking and we stupidly got in the car, you know, and, and we were driving back we didn't make it probably half a mile from the, from the club. And I mean, we had, we had the music blaring, the windows down music was up as high as it could go. Right. And like he had, he had a sound system in his car. So this thing was 
loud. We had these, uh, uh, these glow necklaces on around our neck. So you can, you can imagine, you know, flooring it down like Wilshire Boulevard, uh, with the, the windows down, the music up, you know, two people in the front seat, just singing and dancing with, with glow sticks around their neck. You know, it didn't take long for a cop to pull us over sure. and, you know, and they, they brought him, they brought him in, you know, I had to go bail him out the next day, but me, they left me in Beverly Hills. Like. I, I was fortunate that they didn't, you know, that, that I didn't, you know, get, get a ticket or something like that. Cause I wasn't 21 yet. I remember I had this fake ID. So, um, so they left me on the curb there in Beverly, Beverly Hills. I had no money, uh, whatsoever. And I had to find my way back to West Hills. And if anybody's familiar with the California area, Beverly Hills from West Hills is not a short trip. <laughs> So I got into a cab with the money that I had, right? That took me about halfway. And then I had to hitchhike the rest of the way. And of course, this is at like two o'clock in the morning, you know? So I get in the car with a stranger that decided to pick me up and he brought me back to my uncle's place where I was staying at the time. And I remember looking back on that situation, like, is this really what I want to be is this was that the best decision probably not you know and so it was it was just all these little things that that yeah. built up to a point that you know just i i think i was looking in the mirror one day you know and i i didn't have much money so it was hard for me to find uh food to eat i would i would, I would always eat like the the clam chowder at the restaurant that i worked at right and that's Clam chowder and ramen is what I lived off of. So nice. I dropped a ton of weight. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a huge guy. I'm not a tall guy, you know? So I got down to like, I was probably 110, 115 pounds. Wow. Like I, I was small, you know, I'd lost all, uh, all muscle mass and then a uh, uh, shred of fat on my body. And, you know, I looked at myself in the mirror and I had piercings too. I had my tongue pierced. I had my eyebrow pierced, I had all my ears pierced. And I, and I don't know, I just, I looked in the mirror and I was just like, I got to do something, you know, I, this is not, this is not me. Where, where does this path lead? You know, if this, if it took a year for me to look like this, you know, what am I going to look like in another 10 if I stay on this path, you know, or am I going to be alive? You know, so that's, that's what happened. You know, that's when I had the realization, I think. Yeah. So, so you realize that this isn't who you actually were. This isn't who you're committed to being, right? My theory is that we've all got a story like this somewhere deep inside and that we don't get through anything like this alone. My theory is that people, people actually need support. People need outside help to be able to, to you know, get out of a situation like this and, and turn life around, essentially. Right. And that's part of the reason for these stories that we're telling here on this podcast. So, so what actually happened that had you realize that you needed some help? Well, I think, you know, after, after seeing who I had become, it was one of those things where I needed to get away. Right. I needed to just get out of that scene for, a minute for an hour for a day, however long I could, I had to, I had to step away. So I went back home. I went back to Kenosha, Wisconsin for 
it couldn't have been for long. I don't remember how long I went, but it was, it was probably less than a week, you know, but I still, I was able to, I, I stepped away from my environment uh, for a minute and I, I went back to Kenosha and, you know, stayed with a buddy out there and just kind of disconnected from that. And, you know, when you get around your friends like that you grew up with and, and stuff like that, depending on who those friends are, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to have some, some really great friends and really great people around me. Um, you know, it kind of, it helps you to remember, uh, who, who you are and more importantly, who you want to become, you know, provides that kind of motivation. And, you know, remember, remember that, that girl I told you about that I left, um, you know, when I moved out to California, uh, I, I ended up seeing her while I, while I went back, which probably saved my life. You know, we, we reconnected and, um, you know, still had, still had strong feelings for one another. I mean, both of us had kind of gone our separate ways for a little while, saw other people and stuff like that. But, um, you know, once, once we were back in the same room, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, not to sound cliche or anything, but, you know, sparks flew and, um, we just, you know, we knew we needed each other, I think at that point. So she actually, uh, agreed to move out to California with me, um, a few months after, after that visit. So, you know, that's, that's kind of when I knew that I needed, I needed to get help. And then I knew exactly what that help looked like. Yeah. So and 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 what did that help look like exactly? <laughs> About uh, five foot four, brown hair, brown eyes, you know, and nice. uh, and a heart of gold, wow. and and really, you know, I mean that that was it. You know, I never really the thought never crossed my mind that I needed like counseling or therapy or anything like that. Probably did, uh, but it didn't cross my mind. You know, at at the time, I knew that she could, you know, help me get back on track. I mean, that's it was, it was stable. It was solid, you know, and it was, she, she would call me on my bullshit too. Like nobody, nobody in LA would, would really call me on my bullshit. It was, you know, just like, Hey, Josh, look, you know, let's do this. Let's do that. And ha ha ha. You were so funny last night. You embarrassed the crap out of yourself, you know? Um, but that, none of that really, you know, none of that worked. It was, that was only, only reinforcement of, of what I didn't want to be. So. Uh, yeah, I, I knew that having her back in my life would, uh, would set me on a path to, to go where I wanted to go. Yeah. So it sounds like you had to get really honest with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You had to, you had to really get in your bones in the core of who you are, that this is not who you want to become. This is not the behavior you want to be exhibiting. And you know, you had to, you had to have this vulnerable moment where you invited her back in to actually be that person for you. And I love what you said too. Like, look, uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with therapy. I think that, uh, everybody would probably be served in a really positive way by having some form of therapy at some point in time. And, you know, this relationship that you had with her is, is therapeutic in a way, right? You know, you had somebody that was actually, willing to stand for you, willing to tell you the truth about, uh, like, Hey, Josh, this isn't, this isn't who I know you to be, right. This isn't, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure you had, I'm sure you had some moments like that is, is, am I right? Or 
Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm daily, hourly. I mean, <laughs> I, I had, you know, I, I had, I had slipped down a slippery slope and, um, you know, and she, she definitely helped me get back on track. I mean, really just some of the decisions that I was making. I mean, and all it took from her was looking at me and saying, really, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, uh, maybe I should think about the things that I do before I do them. Huh? Interesting concept, cool. you know? Um, and actually, I mean, she was, she was the one that, um, you know, sat me down and said, Hey, are you sure you want to be a stuntman? You know, I mean, I, and listen, all this other stuff that I was experiencing, right. This was, um, you know, I knew I didn't want to be a certain way. I didn't, I knew I didn't want to act a certain way, but it hadn't really crossed my mind yet that I didn't want to be a stuntman, you know, until, uh, and, until she, she asked me point blank and, and, you know, that's when something I think inside me clicked and I was just like, no, I, I I don't want to be a stuntman, but it's all I ever knew. I didn't know how to do anything else. You know, I didn't go to college. I didn't, I mean, I had, you know, jobs and stuff like that in high school, but I never really thought of pursuing any other career besides one in the film industry. So before, before, uh, before we jump into like what, what happened after that, Mm -hmm. So you, you had this, you had this realization that she helped you with, it sounds like to, 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 to know that this isn't the career that you wanted to have. You didn't want to be a stuntman. In addition to that, what's the biggest lesson do you think that you learned from that whole experience up until this point? (laughs) Um, To be honest, you know, not only with the people around you, but most importantly with yourself. You know, it's, and sometimes that can be the hardest, right? Because you think you want something so bad. And the problem is not a lot of us know how to get it, right? So we make terrible decisions along the way because um, we're just not always shown or always taught. I mean, a lot of this stuff we have to figure out for ourselves, you know? And, um, but if you can, if you can be honest with yourself and, and really have, that's the other thing, right? Is really have a, a, a clear set of values, you know, a foundation that you can be comfortable with, with those two things, honesty and, and personal values, you know, you can point yourself in the right direction always. And, um, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I think I, I took away from it. I wasn't being honest with myself and I had no values. You know, at least none that I could recognize at the time. Um, I think the values that I have today have always been my values. I just couldn't identify them when, you know, I was acting the way that I was. I was just ignoring them. Um, so I think that that's probably the biggest takeaway. You know, be honest. Honest. It's so good, man. It's so good. I, I feel like so many of us, and you know, uh, not not a hundred percent men, but in particular, men are walking around with this mask on trying to be something that we think we're supposed to be, you know, and it's not, it's not honest a lot of the time. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. you for being willing to take an honest look in the mirror and, and be honest with yourself and, uh, and to really dig deep and really get clear on what those values were and start living in accordance with those values. And so you started doing that 
And then what happened? Like, what it, when did you start to notice that things were shifting and getting better for you? So to answer that, I've got to, I've got to kind of pick up where I left off of what happened when um, my girlfriend at the time asked me if I wanted to be a stuntman. So once I, once I could answer that honestly, and I could say to her and say to myself, no, this isn't what I want to do uh, for the rest of my life. I think it was probably two or three weeks later after that, um, when I picked up the phone, called up my dad, uh, who had lived in Arizona. And my dad and I have, have always had a really great relationship. You know, we, we, he wasn't around a whole lot growing up. I think I mentioned, uh, I only saw him every other weekend, you know, and that was even less when he moved to Arizona and even, even less more, um, even lesser, I should say after I moved to California. So, uh, I picked up the phone. I knew he had started his own business. I said, dad said, I don't know what you do for a living, but I want to, I want to come out there and I want to work with you, you know, and, and, and help you grow your business. And so I did. Uh, and that's when I first got into the trades, you know, uh, we started Windy City Equipment with just fixing hot side restaurant equipment. And it was almost like a shock to the system, right? Cause I was this kid that, that, I lived the Hollywood life, you know, the nightlife. I slept as much as I could during the day so I could stay up as much as I could at night. And so my sleep schedule was off and I wasn't eating well, right? So my nutrition was way off and and all of this. And, you know, once I started working, like actually working, not just pretending to work, um, <laughs> you know, it, that's when things really started to change for me you know, getting up, uh, you know, at the crack of dawn and not getting home until later, you know, the first, first couple of years of when I worked, uh, with my dad, we were building this business. I delivered pizzas on the side, you know? Um, so I would, I would get up at four or five o'clock in the morning, work with Windy City up until six, six or so at night. And then I would go deliver pizzas till, you know, from like seven to 11. And, um, and that, you know, that was like the first time in my life that I worked so much that I didn't have time to think about anything else. You know, I was forced to get on a sleep schedule because I could only sleep five or six hours a night at best, you know, and uh, obviously I couldn't do that during the day, you know, so it, it really, um, it kind of, it, it got those fundamentals in order. It got me to pay more attention to my health. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, that's when, that's when things really started to change. And, and believe me, this was not easy. You know, he'll tell you stories too, of like, you know, we're running service in his truck and I'm passing out in the, in the passenger seat, you know, next to him just cause I wasn't used to it, you know, and, and it was, it was exhausting to me. And, and I really didn't like the work at the time. Um, I do now and I learned to love it, but that's really what started to, to get me to change. Nice. Nice. So did, did you, um, did, did any of those like, uh, demons come back to haunt you at all that you, you know, experienced while you were in California, the arrogance and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. They did from time to time. And, you know, uh, I think that, you know, I'm a big believer in striving for, for progress, not perfection. So I, uh, you know, I, I, 
I could recognize it better. But yeah, I mean, I could I could definitely I made new friends, you know, in uh, in Arizona, and some of them I still have, some of them I don't, you know, some of them I had to let go because they were too much like uh, like other friends that I had that I didn't have anymore, and you know, so yeah, there were there were definitely instances where you know, I mean, it started off with missing my ego, right? It, 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 that's weird to say, but I I had such a high self-worth, like just because of what I did, like, uh, you know, being a stuntman, that's something that I, that I was able to hang my hat on. And that was, you know, it's a different, it has a different ring to it, right? When you tell somebody, hey, I'm a stuntman. I light myself on fire. You want to see? Or, hey, I fix restaurant equipment. I accidentally burned my eyebrows off the other day. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's different, right? So sure. I couldn't, you know, I didn't have that ego that I had had for uh, as long as I could remember, you know, because that's not what I did. So, so I missed it. You know, I missed that. It didn't, I didn't realize that it was the ego that I missed until a couple of years after I moved. You know, I really thought it was just, the career, the job, the how and how dude, that's gotta be one of the most normal human things ever. I mean, who wouldn't, that was like such a cool thing, you know, and, and, and you lived it and there was a, there was something missing right after, after, after it was different. But I, I feel like, I feel like this is such a integral part of the story because so many people have something like that. You know, they were the, you know, the, the popular kid in school, or they were the, you know, the, 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 the football captain or whatever, you know, or like the, you know, the, the, the prom queen or, you know, some, some sort of thing where they could really grab onto that egoic kind of personality trait that, that, made them so great, at least in their own mind. Right. And, and we lose that along the way, some, somehow, you know, uh, and yeah. So how normal, uh, I think that's, <laughs> I think it's totally normal. Yeah, no, I, I think it is, you know, and, and it was just normal is one thing easy as another, you know, and yeah. I think anybody in that, in that scenario could, or even, you know, a similar scenario can definitely relate to that. At some point you have to let go of who you used to be or who you think you are and move on to who you're going to be, you know, and, and that step is not an easy one. And to be honest, you know, not everybody can take it. Not everybody takes that step. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what needed to happen for you in order to fully and finally take that step? Um, well, the constant work definitely didn't hurt. Um, you know, that was, that was huge. I think it was, I think it was when I bought my first house. It was 2008. It was right after the market crash. And I remember being, I remember it gave me a sense of purpose, right? What I was doing in my day-to-day job, that also, I finally felt like I had a sense of purpose. Um, but the house gave me a goal. You should, you should have seen it. I had a composition notebook, right? And I had never bought a house before. But at the time, I think I was, geez, how old am I now? Um, 
yeah, this was a this was 2008. So what's that? 12 years ago. Um, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So so 12 years ago. Uh, so I was 20. I was 22 at the time. 23 at the time. And um, I had it. It was the first time in my life that I had this this direction. You know, it was so cool because I knew I was young. I knew I had this opportunity in front of me. I'd worked my ass off to do it. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, it was, I had this composition notebook that I, I, I wrote everything down, talked to the mortgage lenders, talked to real estate brokers, talked to home inspectors, talked to, you know, I did all this lead legwork and it was a short sale. So, you know, it took a little while to close on this house. And again, I had never done it before. Um, you know, but it just, uh, I just had this, okay, if I can do this, if I can move in this direction, then I can get what I want. And what I want is this house. I want to, I want to live with my girlfriend in this house, call it my own. It'll be, you know, it'll be fantastic. And it put me on this path where I had like blinders on everything else. Just, just fell away, you know, just fell to the side. All my, all my, the past sense of who I was and my stunt career and everything else, I worked as hard as I could, as long as I could, so I could make this a reality for me. And that was when I got my first taste of what real accomplishment felt like. Yeah. And I never looked back. And as soon as that hit, it was boom. Okay. Now, how do I get a bigger house? Yeah. You know? Nice. Nice. What a great story, man. Tell us what life is like now in 2020. So we've heard this amazing journey of, you know, transformation. And what is it like on the other side of it? Yeah, so it's been so first off, I never stopped working. I, uh, <laughs> since that day, since I moved to Arizona, I have been and my and my now wife will will back this up. Uh, I've been some somewhat of a workaholic, you know. I I worked with the uh, the pizza place for as long as I could, but then once the company started growing a little bit, I backed off from that and I put all my focus and attention into the into the company because it was the catalyst for everything else. Right? This this company, seeing it from from you know its humble beginnings, like when I came on, I think we were doing like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or something like that uh, between me and my dad, and it looks like we're on pace to do somewhere around eight million this year uh, we have We have four branches in three states, and it was it was all you know it, what it what it became was just kind of the center of everything it was my ultimate accomplishment. It was what all my focus and attention went into until of course, you know, uh, I had my kids and then my attention shifted, shifted a little bit, but it was this business and those accomplishments that allowed me that luxury. Um, you know, which is, I mean, there's no better feeling in the world, you know? So, uh, after I got that first house, we, we spent about five years there. Then, uh, I, my, my girlfriend and I got married. So she's, she's my wife now. And we ended up moving into another house, a bigger house, a nicer house. Uh, and that's the one that uh, that we're in now, and we are uh, currently in the process of of building a house, uh, which we hope to move into probably sometime next year, maybe January two thousand twenty two at the latest. We'll see, 
But, um, you know, and through the travels, we accumulated dogs and kids and, um, you know, it, it's, it's all been incredibly rewarding. I finally feel like I know who I am, you know, and, and what my purpose is and, you know, really just how to accomplish what I set out to my, to accomplish. And that, that's my crisis now. Right. And I hope this doesn't come off wrong because I, I, I in no way take any of this for granted and I'm extremely blessed, you know, to, to be in the position that I am. But when you have everything that you want, when, when you finally identify your values, right. And, and you, you have everything that you know will make you happy. I've got beautiful wife, beautiful, beautiful kids, you know, I have a beautiful house, great company, successful company, you know, what is, what's left? What, where can you still find that accomplishment? Your priorities have to change, right? You have to, you have to think of other ways to, to, uh, work toward what it is that you, what it is that you want. You know, now everything's kind of centered around my kids. Like, how can I give them the best life? What can I teach them? you know, and, and how can I keep them safe? You know, I always, I, I told Kelly, I said, that's, that's the, that's the reason why, you know, I want to, I want to build such a nice house. So all of her friends will want to come to our house and they'll never have to leave. Yeah. You know, I don't want, I don't want my daughters going anywhere else. You know, if it was up to me, they'd live in a bubble, you know, but, um, but that's, that's where I'm at now, you know, is, is I can finally step back and say, you know what, I've accomplished materially, you know, everything that I, that I have needed to, I could die a happy man. I could. Um, so how do I get to the next step? How do I identify what needs to be done and take the steps to do it in the accomplishments that matter now? How do I, how do I protect my daughters? How do I protect my family? How do I make it so they'll want for nothing, you know, but still be able to teach them the values that matter when they have to make it on their own. You know, there's, there's all these different questions, um, you know, but that's, that's what keeps me going now. That's legit, man. That's so, such a different story and way of being and everything that comes along with it than from where you started. Really, really cool stuff, Josh. What, um, from, you know, the values, the work ethic, everything that happened, what, what did you learn from that experience that you use now to run your business and lead your team? Anything is possible. Anything's possible. As long as you as long as you believe in yourself. And again, I'm going to go back to honesty, as long as you're honest with yourself, right. And, and you make the hard decisions, not for anybody else, but for you. And I'll quote my dad on this one, but he always told me, son, nothing in life worth having comes easy. Mm. And it doesn't. And he's absolutely right. And, and I also heard another quote, uh, somewhere too, is that said, if you do in life, what's, if, if you do what's easy, life will be hard. If you do what's hard, life will be easy. Mm. And so, you know, 
what I learned is to do what's hard, you know, challenge yourself, you know, prove to yourself that you're worthy of what you want because ain't nobody else going to do it for you. Yeah. You know, you got to do it yourself, you know, and that starts with defining who you are, what it is that you want and how the hell you're going to get there, you know, and then executing on that day in, day out without waiver, without fault, you know, and, um, yeah, just, just keep going. Dude. So good. So good. Any final thoughts you would like to leave out there for our audience, uh, you know, tradespeople, blue collar workers of all kinds, uh, anything regarding a moral of this story or something that you would like to leave for everybody? Yeah, I just, uh, so a couple of things. Number one, I just want to challenge everybody because I think, I think that we've all experienced something like this along the way. And maybe we're experiencing it right now and we don't know it. Maybe we do know it, but I want to challenge your listeners um, to really take a good look at yourself in the mirror and answer the question, who am I, you know, and, and answer it honestly, identify any lies that you've told yourself, right? And really start working toward who it is that you want to be. It's not going to be easy. It never is, but that's not the point, right? Again, nothing in life worth having comes easy. And the only person that can make a difference in that is you. It's got to start with you. So challenge yourself to do what's hard if that's what's necessary. And, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to thank you, Mitch, Mick, sorry, I called you Mitch. Uh, I want to thank you, Mick, for, for having me on the show and for allowing me this platform to hopefully help others, um, you know, see, see their way through, uh, any similar situations that they have. Um, you know, and, and obviously, uh, I'm a blue collar, blue collar advocate. So, um, you know, if anybody wants to check out the book, it's on Amazon, blue is the new white, or you can always go to blue is the new white.com. Uh, if you want to see, uh, what we do at Windy City Equipment, it's, uh, windycityaz.com or wcecommercial.com. I can be found on social media anywhere at Josh Zolan is me. and. Yeah. If anybody uh, needs any advice, I don't know what kind of advice I can give. I, I can only speak on my past experiences, but I will help in any way that I can. Just reach out to me and uh, I'll see what I can do for you. I appreciate all that, Josh. Thank you for being our guest here today. Brilliant story. I love your awesome story of tragedy to triumph. I'm glad that uh, you had the happy ending that you did. And and, you know, for all the experiences that you had along the way, too. I mean, I think that uh, even though some of that was painful and and not who you were committed to being and, you know, things not going the way that you really wanted to, all of that was necessary to get you where you are here today. Uh, and I, I'd like to just leave that with the listeners as a last thought here that, you know, nobody's nobody's story is nobody's story means that they can't 
do something to help themselves and likely help a whole lot of other people too. If they're willing to do exactly what Josh just told us here, take a really good long look in the mirror, be honest and, and go out there and make a change because you say so. So again, this is the tragedy to triumph podcast. I'm your host, Mick Carbo, and we'll see you all on the next episode. It's our hope that this story makes a difference for another person. If it helps one person, we believe we've done our work. Consider telling a friend about this podcast. You might just make a difference for them too. Accomplishment Coaching, the world's finest coaches training program. I owe much of the man I am today to the work I've done and the relationships I've built in this community. For anybody out there who wants to start a career as a coach or enhance their skills as a coach, look no further. Transform your life and set yourself up to win in your coaching business at the same time. Find out more at accomplishmentcoaching.com.